We are surrounded by incredibly strong people. Their journeys, like us all, are full of resilience, persistence, inner strength, and an ability to gain perspective to make the best of what is thrown our way. This is People Are Amazing, the podcast. He was told he wouldn't live past his 18th birthday. Sam Humphrey was born with a rare genetic disorder called acrodysplasia, a progressive skeletal disorder. By the age of three, he was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which is the inflammation of his digestive tract. He spent a lot of his childhood in and out of hospitals, and when he was at school, he battled with being and looking different. He always knew he wanted to be an actor, and from humble beginnings of doing skits at home for his family to lighting up the big Hollywood stage alongside his idol and now mentor, Hugh Jackman, in The Greatest Showman as the General Tom Thumb. Sam Humphrey has surpassed all medical expectations, and at 27, living away from his family in New Zealand, and now in LA, he has not only made his childhood dreams come true, but he has gone further to be a producer and author. There is no stopping this pocket rocket. This is Sam's story. Good morning. Hello. Hi. I'm good. How are you? I'm not bad. How's your weekend going? Bad dog. <laughs> um, pretty good. Uh, you know, just uh, doing some work down there and uh, having a little bit of downtime before Monday starts up again. Yeah, it's crazy. And is it cooler over there? Uh, um, it's not summer. At the moment, it's kind of winter. So even though it is LA, it is still uh, can get chilly for LA's winter. Anyway. It's like Sydney's winter, yeah. isn't it? It's nowhere near as cold as anywhere else in the world. That's true. I mean, I have lived in New Zealand, so there's some chilly there. That's and I have been to New York and Chicago. So That's true. Yeah, That's true. Really cold. All right. Well, look, thank you so much for your time today. Um, just really excited to be chatting to you. I watched The Greatest Showman for the first time this week. I must have been the last, person, the last person in the world to watch it, but I bawled my eyes out. I don't know if you're the last person. I'm sure there's still a lot of people who haven't seen it yet. It is beautiful, but there are so many lessons in that, right? And, you know, talking about... Yeah. The podcast, especially around resilience and adversity, oh my goodness, this like this entire story just epitomizes everything that that is just so special about people. Right, yeah. I mean, it's definitely um, definitely an original movie for uh, what you know been out and around. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. Well, look, let's yeah. get off. People are amazing. The podcast right. really focuses on resilience and inner strength. Um, now we know that everyone has a story, everyone has some form of adversity or challenge that they've had to overcome using resilience and some inner strength. How about you share yours? So kick us off. Um, you're obviously Kiwi from New Zealand. What were you like growing up with family? Let's start from there. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so, I mean, I have had a little bit of a, not, not a normal childhood, I'll say that much. Um, I was born with, well, I was not born, but I was diagnosed with a condition called acrodysplasia. It's a very rare genetic um, condition, which um, affects like one in three. As far as I know, it's affected one in three people across Australia and New Zealand. So it's a very, uh, very rare genetic disease. Um, so actually my challenges kind of start uh, before I was even born, actually, the doctors uh, had said to my parents that I had stopped growing uh, when I was in the womb. 
and that was a month before I was due to be born. Um, and as soon as I was born, I was actually uh, kept at the hospital for six weeks uh, in an incubator because uh, they were very scared about, you know, how how I was going to survive and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, growing up, I had a very different childhood. I'm hard of hearing, uh, which is one of the one of the symptoms that actually comes with my acrodysplasia. Um, yeah, which led me to be very, very, you know, sick as a kid, and I had a lot of, lot of um, illnesses, which affected how I interacted with other kids, and it made me a very shy, a very shy kid. So I didn't have too many friends growing up um, as a very, you know, young, young kid. Uh, that kind of changed though as I got to high school. Um, so I started to, you know, make friends in high school and things like that. But um, it's kind of where most of my challenges really began, like really intensely began within high school. Um, so I, because of the condition that I was diagnosed with, um, I dealt with things like, you know, mental, mental health issues. Um, and that's kind of where my physical development, um, like where my condition affected my physical development really started to hit, hit it hard for me when I was in high school. Um, so growing up in high school and seeing all my friends and things like that, you know, developing and, you know, having, having, getting into relationships and that sort of thing really played on uh, my mental health. Um, so far to lead me uh, into a very dark period in my teenage years where I actually, um, you know, tried to commit suicide several times. Um, so that was a very, very dark and challenging um, time in my life. Um, yeah, it's a little bit different on a podcast than like an interview. So, I mean, stop me whenever, you know, you want to chime in or anything like that. No, it's great. Look, the floor is yours and it's not scripted in any particular way. I just want to make sure that, you know, you get base to share your story. But um, going back into just going back to your childhood a little bit more. So, so you grew up with a lot of illnesses. Yeah. Did you have a big family? You know, what was the community like in terms of being accepting of genetic disorder, I suppose? Um, what was that like? So, you know, you didn't get to see a lot of friends. You didn't have a lot of friends because of making sure you're looking after yourself. So you're not really catching any other yeah. foreign diseases or, or germs or bacteria and stuff like that that might give you more of an illness. But was it in and out yeah. of hospital all the time? Yeah, yeah. So um, growing up, so growing up with these, you know, different um, diseases or conditions that I had, um, I was in and out of hospital a lot growing up. Um, so as a child, I had a lot of these different conditions. And actually, something that we learned later on in life is I was actually also diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Um, and so that was something that we didn't know that I had um, as, as a kid. And that was actually what caused a lot of my illness as well. Because, um, you know, that gave me a lot of stomach issues and a lot of other health issues, which actually also technically means I'm immunocompromised. So, like, I can get sicker than most people. Uh, I've actually been very, very fortunate um, lately in my adult years where I've, you know, been able to build up my immune system a lot better and um, I don't get sick as much now nowadays um, but yeah that was very challenging growing up um, and that actually did affect my education a lot um, so with atherosclasia there's a lot of different symptoms that you that came with that 
And so one of them was actually um, mental deficiency. So um, that was one of my challenges. Like I never really thought that I was on the same, you know, on the same level as like my friends and my siblings. Um, so I grew up, grew up in a family five. I'm the youngest. Um, my brother, my brother's a very, uh, I would say my brother's an overachiever. Um, so that, well, and my sister as well. My sister is also an overachiever. Um, so that actually put a lot of like pressure on myself to also be an overachiever. Um, but with a lot of the struggles that I dealt with as a kid, it, you know, it was very hard for me to excel in school and it was very hard for me to excel in, you know, making friends and things like that because um, my actual dyslexia, you know, took a huge toll on my childhood and my teenage. Um, so, yeah, that was led to, led to those things like where I had the mental challenges um, and it led to the the dark period where I unfortunately did try to commit suicide sometimes because um, growing up the doctors would say things like we're not sure how long you'll live um, and so doctors had actually said to my parents that we're not sure if he will make it to his 18th birthday and if he does we're not sure if he'll make it past that or what quality of life he might you know get to live or get to experience and so, I mean, as a, as a you know, preteen or as a teenager, that's very hard to, to come to terms with. And so, unfortunately, because of that, that's what, you know, caused me to try and commit suicide. Um, because it was around about, you know, 15, 16, when it, where I started to have these thoughts, like, what kind of quality of life will I have? And is there any point of going forward? Um, because if I'm going to die in it, if I'm going to die in a few years, then there's really no point to this pointless existence. Um, and so, and that was, that was really the one I was thinking about. Um, and because, you know, dealing with that, I had a lot of the questions that I asked myself, which led me to that point were things like, you know, will I have a family, um, which, you know, they were saying I wasn't going to make my 18th birthday, so apparently not. So that was, you know, one of the reasons why I didn't see any point in going on. Um, and yeah, I mean, that was, that was one of the biggest things about um, why I tried to, you know, commit suicide. Um, but after high school, you know, things just kept on pushing and um, it got to a point where I didn't want to end my, I didn't want to end my, you know, own life. Um, and things kind of, after high school, things started to look up and I, had changed, you know, my mindset about, um, you know, what I was going to do with my life and how I was going to live my life. And uh, one of the biggest things, especially I think for anyone out there um, listening to this, one of the biggest things that I had decided for my own life was I was going to live my life with no regrets. Um, and that for every day that I was still alive, like I was going to pursue my goals. I was going to pursue my dreams. And I was going to make sure, you know, that I did it and that I, you know, lived my life in that regard. And um, I think that's one of the biggest things that helps me forward is to make sure that, you know, I do everything or I accomplish what I want to accomplish because I think that's one of the most important things, you know, is to continuing to push forward.
yeah. And it's incredible, isn't it? Because when you feel like you have not, you don't have milestones to reach and then you suddenly reach them and then you start realizing, hold on a second, this isn't ending for me. I'm kind of still thriving. So what am I doing? I might as well just live my best life. And now the whole no regrets mentality yeah, yeah. is so freeing. Like it doesn't matter what you throw yourself in in terms of taking the risks. You're just going to do it because well, why not? And I mean, for me, like uh, um, a lot of sometimes a lot of people, well, I wouldn't say a lot of people, but I know there are some people out there that might look at me and think that I can't do a lot of things. And that was kind of, that was kind of one of the things that, a lot of people had said about me growing up, like, you know, dealing with my sickness and dealing with, you know, my, my height restrictions and all that thing. And I grew up with a very lovely family and a very supportive family. Um, but, and I think in saying, like, they said things like, you know, we're not sure if you can do that or we're not sure, if, you know, that's something that's, you know, realistic. Like, they didn't say those things, like, you know, not to be supportive. I think they said those things can be very supportive. But, um, I guess in my mindset, it was always that, oh, I wanted to try it. Like, nothing was going to hold me back. And if I figured out that I couldn't do it, then, you know, I couldn't do it. And that's, and that's what would make me stop. Um, but, yeah, you know, I just wanted to push forward with all the things that I had, you know, dreamt of and, you know, thought about doing. And I think um, when I got over some of my major hurdles, that was one of the things that made me think, wow, I got through all of this stuff, which seemed absolutely impossible. Like, What were the hurdles that you had to overcome that were the big grand ones? Yeah, so, I mean, I think um, just going, you know, going from the start of my life, just one first actually surviving my own birth, you know, that's a huge milestone. Um, not, not one for necessarily for me, but, you know, and the fact that I actually survived, which was amazing. Um, but then just going through all those hurdles of like staying alive and then, you know, when I was a kid, I was very shy and so overcoming my shyness and, um, you know, starting to make friends and then, you know, getting to high school. Like I graduated high school, you know, when I, to be completely honest, I should have failed high school. I honestly don't know how I graduated. Um, but like, for me, high school was never really an important thing in my life. Like, they said, like, high school is supposed to prepare you for, you know, university and all that sort of stuff. And um, when I was in high school, I actually tried to quit high school. I tried to leave high school in, like, year 10. Um, but actually, they just brought in the rules that if you weren't, you know, working or you didn't have, like, graduate studies to go on to, that you couldn't quit high school. So... Unfortunately, at that time, I couldn't quit. Um, but I, I already knew in my, like, in my mind that I wanted to be an actor. And that, that I had decided very early on in my life. At eight years old, I already knew what I wanted to be and what I wanted to be. And, and I know that um, that's a very kind of odd thing to decide so young and be so certain about what you want to do, um, which I think is very different and very scary for a lot of people um and that's why again I think a lot of people look at me they they think what what like how are you managing to do these so many impossible things it's because I've already like you know decided with my mentality that I want to live a life in those so if I've truly decided to do it then I'm not going to give up on it 
And so, like, I, I decided to be an actor when I was eight. And here I am, you know, still choosing to be an actor and succeeding at it. And so, and when you have that success, it makes you want to, you know, keep doing it and keep, you know, achieving and do bigger and better things. And, um, and actually, one of my um, biggest milestones lately, actually, is I have officially become a producer. So I am not just an actor anymore. I am now a actor and producer. So, yeah, which I am actually working on a lot of uh, big projects at the moment to uh, develop and produce and also star in. Wow. Yes, I'm able to uh, make my own projects now. Holy moly. So you really have just surpassed all yeah. your, your own personal expectations and everyone else's. So people back at home must, yeah. be, must be biting their tongue. Uh, well, they don't entirely, they don't officially know that I'm a producer yet. Um, but as of tomorrow for today for you, because it's Monday, but as of uh, tomorrow for me, there will be an announcement um, in most of the like trades and the entertainment industry. So it will be officially announced as of uh, Monday morning that I am also a producer in the industry. I want to get into some of um, the the sexy work that you're getting involved in as of tomorrow, but what inspired you? I mean, at eight years old, what inspired you to be an actor? Like, what was what was some of the exposure that you had that made you feel, you know, what this is the path that I want to head down? So, so I mean, going going back from when I was eight years old, um, me and my family, um, we had another family who were my family friends. And we used to put on these little plays for our parents to watch. Um, it was myself, my sister, my brother, um, and our two uh, family friends' kids. Um, and we were very close. And so we would, you know, rehearse and put on these tiny little plays for our parents to watch, which I'll admit they weren't the best plays. Um, but, you know, you, you make your, you your parents sit down and watch them. And, of course, I going to clap and laugh and all that stuff they want their they want their kids to be happy and you know whatnot but um from those experiences I kind of really discovered that I enjoyed you know I enjoyed putting on these little plays and I enjoyed um being an actor um and then going forward as well when I was eight years old uh, my true my true big inspiration that actually set me you know on this path going forward was Hugh Jackman um, who is the lead in The Greatest Showman, um, for everyone who has seen it. Um, and when I was eight years old, I saw Hugh Jackman in, uh, Wolver- playing his role as Wolverine in X-Men for the first time. And I don't know what it was, but something kind of just uh, ignited a spark in me. And also, I just really loved his character. Um, I had made these fake cardboard claws that I had attached with uh, rubber bands on my own fingers and I would run around the house and you know I'd pretend to stab things and I'd pretend to yell and scream and you know be in pretend fights with Wolverine and that just I know it really just appealed to me and I had the time of my life um and I think that was the fun side of it um but also as I grew up I think with all the challenges that I faced acting allowed me to kind of just get away from that as well it allowed me to disappear into a world of you know other characters and roles that weren't weren't myself and roles that weren't you know facing 
challenges of, you know, being different from other people or, you know, challenges where, you know, I felt like I wanted to commit suicide. And so I think that's how acting also um, appealed to me. Um, and that, you know, that really helped me with my mental health and just going forward. Um, and then also, with, like I mentioned, with my brother being an overachiever, um, that put the pressure on me to feel like I needed to live up to, you know, what he was accomplishing and try and get out of his shadow. Because he's, um, he's been a serial entrepreneur, like, all his life. Um, and he started a very, very large company when he was very young. Um, and that was, you know, always a big, uh, big achievement in our family. And so my way of, I guess, trying to live up to that was to pursue this industry, which is supposedly, you know, very, very hard and it's absolutely impossible to, you know, make it in unless you, you know, have the connections or, you know, are very talented and all that. And so that was my way of, I guess, putting myself in the spotlight and living up to my brother's achievements, which I, uh, I'm, I'm proud to say, and my family is also proud to say that, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing it and I'm being successful. So that's very, very exciting. You're killing it. You are killing it. I know you're being really humble about, oh, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. You are killing it. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I always try to be very humble because I know, you know, this industry can be filled with a lot of, you know, egomaniacs. And, you know, I obviously will not name names, but, you know, there's a lot of, there's a big stigma in Hollywood that, you know, no one cares about anyone else and everyone's very, you know, egotistical and stuff like that. And, and for me, um, the Hollywood, you know, Hollywood industry and acting and everything, it's no different than any other job. Like, I'm, I'm happy to be able to do what I love to do. And it, you know, allows me to earn a living as well. But I'm no better than anyone else doing a job, you know. For example, like um, in the past few years, I struggled with chronic disease and I had a very big relapse um, where I actually spent a period of a year in and out of hospital uh, three months and I had um, three surgeries. So like for me, I put more importance on the surgeons that saved my life than, you know, myself as a quote unquote celebrity. Like their job was way more important and I feel like they should get way more credit for what they do than, you know, actors do. You know, don't get me wrong, you know, actors have a hard job as well, you know, but it's not easy to be a surgeon, that's for sure. And, you know, without them, I wouldn't be here today. So, and yeah. look, I think you're right. I think first-line workers, especially over the year that we've had with COVID, it's, um, it's even more mm. important to put some spotlight as to how much work that they actually do do. But in the last yeah. months, especially with COVID and you being immunocompromised, has that really hindered you from going out and kind of, you know, I know you're a producer now, but just getting out and about and, you know, getting getting more auditions and, and getting scripts and stuff like that, how how are you coping in this space? Um, so the good thing, I mean, I would say the good thing about, you know, the industry with COVID, unfortunately, I wouldn't say good thing about COVID, but... The good thing with the industry is it's able to adapt. So I think not even just the entertainment industry, but all industries are trying to adapt to this uh, digital format of doing business. And so the entertainment industry has been no different. 
Like I've been able to do, you know, self tapes from home. Um, you know, scripts are able to be sent via email. Um, and so I've still been able to do, you know, my auditions and things like that. But the industry has been, you know, taking it has had it uh, has had a toll taken on it, where the industry has slowed down a lot. And that's actually the reason why I um, jumped into producing and development last year, because the roles have really slowed down. Um, and I mean, initially, the roles weren't necessarily that, um, you know, weren't that he uh, heavy to start off with anyway, because I'm a very niche kind of actor. So um, it's very hard to find roles for me in the first place. So yeah. In terms of your resilience, and again, just talking about inner strength, where do you get all of that from? I know a part of it will be innate because you, you are a very driven person. You, you seem to know what you want. And so therefore you thrive towards that direction and made it happen for you. But did you have any other external help, whether it's a psychologist kind of worked you through some mental illnesses, you know, family would have played a big part. I know that, you know, your family are a, a team of high achievers. So that's definitely going to drive you as well. But what are the factors that have helped you kind of get to that, that level of strength and mental, mental capability to kind of keep pushing forward? So, I mean, one of the best things for me, I think, growing up, I grew up in a Christian household. Um, so faith is like a big part of my life. Um, and I grew up in the church, and I served in the church. I was a youth leader. Um, and then I became also a service leader. Um, and I served in the church for about seven years. Um, so that kind of, that had a huge impact on my life. And Going forward, I know, like, so being a Christian, I believe, you know, in God, and I believe that, you know, he always, you know, loves me, and no matter what I do, that, um, you know, there's always going to be someone that loves me, and I think that played a big part in changing, like, my mindset, and giving me the inner strength to keep going as well, because there, there came a certain point in my life where, you know, it didn't matter to me anymore, like, it didn't matter how I looked, or it didn't matter, you know, whether or not the external, you know, pressures, like whether or not I had a girlfriend or whether or not, you know, I had people that were supporting me or cheering me on or all that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff didn't matter to me so much as I got older. Um, and then, you know, as I started getting older and I started focusing on all the things that I wanted to do, um, which I think, as being told, you know, as a young person by doctors that, you know, I might not live you know, that long just made me want to achieve all these things, you know, before I die. Um, and actually, that is the name of my autobiography that should hopefully be releasing this year. It's called Before I Die. Um, and, and that is kind of what drives me and what, you know, makes me say live my life and no regrets is that I want to achieve all the things that I could possibly dreamed of when I was a kid that I want to accomplish all these things before I die. So to be completely honest, the doctors can give their best guess as to, you know, how my life is and, you know, what my biological clock is saying about, you know, how long I have to live or whatnot. But no one really knows, you know, our time is, our time is our time. Like, you know, when it's our time, we, when our time's up, our time's up. So just live your life with as much love and gratitude and to the best that you can possibly live and do what you want to do while you have the time to do it. So 
Yeah, that's, that's what I try to do. And that's, that's also what I try to encourage everyone else. Um, I've actually been starting in the last year, I've also actually started a new um, uh, lifestyle brand called The Little Guy. Um, and it's, it's a brand to empower other people to achieve their own accomplishments um, and try and provide support to them to help them, you know, achieve whatever it is that they want to achieve. Because um, especially within the last year with COVID, I found that a lot of people were struggling, you know, with mental health and motivation and, and figuring out what their purpose is in life. Because we've all been, you know, stuck inside and we've all, you know, had a lot of time to think about what it is that we want to do with our life and, you know, where we want to go and all that stuff. And I think a lot of people aren't sure, you know, how to answer those questions. And so, you know, I'd like to help help those people because when I was younger, that those were all the questions I was asking. You know, I was asking, you know, what is my purpose in life? You know, what do I do, you know, before I die? How do I achieve all the things I want to achieve, you know, before my time is up? And and I just want to leave a I just want to leave a legacy behind that. So, you know, help to keep on empowering the world to go forward. To, be, you know, a grand utopia that we're all working towards. Yeah. The true professional that you are, you pretty much answered all the questions. Just giving me everything. Oh, <laughs> no, it's amazing. <laughs> Seriously, I think overachieving is definitely one of the, the understatements for you. I'm just listening to you talk through and list all your achievements. It's not just playing Tom Thumb in The Greatest Showman. It's a producer. It's You're an author. So it, there really is no stopping you. But from a health perspective now, so... D- is there a, what has been the, the prognosis around having a family? I mean, going, I mean, I never really, I never actually figured that one out yet. Um, I have actually many, many times talked to, you know, my family and my siblings about whether or not I should go get, you know, genetic testing or anything like that to you know, figure out what my chances are of having a family and whether or not, um, my genetic uh, diagnosis would be passed on. Um, now, I mean, I've asked, you know, I've asked my doctors in the past, like, what is the probability of me having family and passing on, you know, my genetics and things like that. Now, they have said 50-50, which, to be completely honest, I think was just their best guess. Um, and, and that's why I kind of want to get tested. But at the same time, um, I kind of want to... I, I, at the same time, I'm not quite sure whether I want to know the answer to that, you know, because um, I feel like maybe if it's a no, then it, it just starts putting, you know, a bunch of questions in my head and it starts just, it's a negative, it's a negative thing that I don't necessarily want to focus on. So, you know, I'd like to just keep on thinking that it is a possibility for me and, you know, from, from everything that I've gone through in my life, you know, everyone has said that a lot of these things that I've accomplished weren't possibilities for me. But here I am. I'm, I'm an actor. I'm a producer. I'm an author. I'm still alive. I'm going to be 27 this year. Um, you know, so I've, I've surpassed the expectations that, of, you know, so many people in my life that have said that, I can't or won't achieve, you know, 
things or that have, you know, said that I'm not sure what the quality of my life would be. And sure, I've had, you know, I've had uh, very dark days where, you know, I felt like my life is going nowhere. But then, you know, I've had the amazing days where, you know, I wouldn't change the way my life has gone for anything. So I've had some of the best experiences in my life have come from, you know, the results of some of the worst experiences in my life. So, um, and, you know, one thing that I, I always say is that if I didn't, if I wasn't the way that I was, I may never have landed the role with Tom Thumb. And if I never landed the role with Tom Thumb, I wouldn't have been a great showman. If I wasn't a great showman, I wouldn't have had some of the experiences that I've had because of that show. Um, and one of the biggest things is that I met my girlfriend because of that show. So I'm, you know, I wouldn't change anything that I've been through because it all led me to all the things that I'm doing with my life today. So, yeah. That is perspective. And that's so much gratefulness that I can feel through the screen. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. It's wonderful that you've had, you've been able to articulate all of that and know that it's, it's actually worked out for the best. Yeah. I mean, gratitude is, um, Gratitude is one of the biggest things that I've learned in my life. Um, and I know, you know, everyone says, be grateful, be grateful, and all that. And that's very, very important. Um, but that is one of my most important rules for success and having a positive, you know, mental health is gratitude for everything. Like, I mean, for me, every day that I'm alive is another, you know, is another day to be grateful for. Because something said that I shouldn't have been alive past my 18th birthday so I'm going to be 27 this year and I've accomplished a lot so there's definitely nothing for me to not be grateful about so yeah I'm grateful for everything that I experience in my life totally 100% so besides being a producer what new hobbies have you picked up in the last 12 months or during COVID um well yeah that's I mean I wouldn't say I've necessarily picked up any new hobbies um because I mean, you know, mainly just been focusing on work. You know, now that I've become a producer, there's a lot more work that's been dumped on my plate. Because I now, I now don't just have to, you know, jump in front of the camera and do my role and that's it. Because that's, as an actor, that's all we have to do. We prepare for our role and when the camera rolls, we act and we're done. But now I'm on the back end of it. So not only do I have to appear in front of the camera when it's time, I actually have to help put the project together. So I help, you know, put the script together. I help to develop the project. I help to find the financing. I help to, you know, find the studio or the network that we want to pitch it to and try and sell it to. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, moving parts to being a producer. Um, and, and it definitely, it definitely seems very complicated. And that was actually why I never really wanted to jump into it before um, last year. But um, because of the way the acting industry has been affected, and more specifically for myself, um, producing is the smart way forward um, in my career. Because, you know, I can, I can develop and produce the project, and I can attach myself, you know, as any role that I want to. And it can be, you know, it can be designed and geared towards, you know, someone like myself. And, and then it doesn't matter because I've, I've developed the project with me in mind as a character. But, so you've yeah. future-proofed yourself in the industry. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. 
Um, that's what you see, you know, a lot of the um, greatest and best actors, you know, in this industry do. Um, and that's that's what uh, my role model, you know, Hugh Jackman does. And he is my um, he is my role model and mentor since I was eight years old. He's the he's the person I've aspired to be like, you know, since I was eight. Um, and doing Great Showman has was just one of the greatest experiences in my life. And not only did I get to, you know, um, get to act and work alongside him, he's now a very good friend and mentor of mine. So, you know, we, I'm able to keep in contact with him and whenever I need some advice, I'm able to reach out to him. So, and that's, that's a very special relationship that I, um, you know, that I'm very fortunate to have, you know, as, as I go forward in my career. Very cool. Very cool. What type of wisdom can you offer anyone that may also have a, a genetic disease that is hindering their confidence? Is not, it's not really giving them that will to keep pushing through. So I, I have to say, I think in terms of for anyone who's struggling with like even anything, not even just specifically a genetic you know, condition, is that just you have to hang on, you know, and, Things aren't always, you know, what they seem. And if you can persevere and if you can find the inner strength to go on and, you know, find the, find the people that support you. Because I would say I didn't do it very well. I didn't rely on too many people when I was going through it. And I think that would have been a big, a big help and a big difference if I had actually relied on people to help me. I, I love I love my family and they were there for me as much as they could be. Um, you know, it was hard for them to understand what I was going through um, and you know the things I was thinking. Um, and even though they people around you can't necessarily understand what you're going through, they are there to support you. And and that's the biggest thing is having them there to support you um, when you're having you know those worst days. It makes a big difference, and I would highly recommend that. Um, and definitely reach out to you know some professionals that can help you as well. Um, I never, I never looked into any you know sort of therapy or anything like that. But um, to be completely honest, it would have helped me, I think, to be able to talk talk through some of the issues I was facing and just be able to talk through some of the questions I was asking in my own mind. Um, because I was always just asking them to myself and I was always, you know, dwelling on, on the negative of it. So if there was someone, when you're going through those, you know, situations and those mental, mental um, health issues, you're not necessarily able to see the positive side of it. You're always, you know, dwelling on the negative side. You're always telling yourself you can't do it or you're not good enough or, you know, no one loves you or you're not important enough. And that's your own mind telling you that. You tell yourself all these lies and it's so hard to, to not believe them. So if there's someone who's outside of yourself um, who can help you boost yourself up in a positive way, um, then that's really, really important. So yeah, definitely look, look to the people that you trust and look to the people that, you know, really really support you and have your back um that's the biggest thing and if if all that fails you know i am always here to give advice and you know support you as well i i love everyone 
um, and I support everyone, and um, I'm grateful to everyone who supports me as well. So I always try to give that because um, without without all of you guys, I would not be who I am or where I am today. So you know, I do my my best to give back so when I can. Oh, you're a champion. You're a champion. And I've told you this before, but you definitely still have a bit of that Kiwi Aussie accent thing happening. You haven't really gotten into the full American swing yet. (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. Are you going home anytime soon? Or I think, well, I guess you can't because no one's traveling at the moment. But when was the last time you were back home? It's very difficult at the moment. Um, Well, it's been, I mean, it's been a little while. I mean, I know I went, well, I went back home at the start of 2020, actually, which was very, a very bizarre experience because COVID was just kind of kicking off mm. when I went back home. Um, and it was, all, it was a very surreal experience because when I left, like, there was only, like, rumors about COVID. Um, and so I did, I did a speaking engagement in uh, Sydney. So I did a speaking engagement in Sydney, um, which was actually to do with Rare Disease Day. Um, so I was hired by a few different organizations to speak about uh, rare disease awareness and um, talk about you know, future research and where we're going in terms of the future of um, research for uh, rare conditions and things like that. Um, so I was a spokesperson on you know, Channel 7, Channel 10, Channel 9, um, but then as I was getting ready to leave, actually, um, people started, like, not shaking my hand, and we started doing, like, you know, the elbow touch and the, the foot handshake, and I was like, well, this is odd. What's happening? And then people started talking about COVID, and I was like, oh, okay. And I almost got stuck in Australia because they were starting to um, do the travel ban, and... I was, yeah, I was literally only had a few days to fly out and they were like, when I got back to the US actually, we got put down, LA got put down in lockdown. So yeah, I almost got stuck back in Australia. Yeah. Oh gosh. It would have been two weeks quarantine. Did they have quarantine then? Because I think feel like the quarantine thing didn't kick on until towards the last half of last year. I think so. I mean, they weren't really sure how, you know, how COVID was going to affect you know, the the country, let alone the entire world. So they didn't really have quarantine at that at that stage. So when I got back, I luckily didn't have to quarantine. But then, I mean, only a few days after we got back, the entire country got put down lockdown anyway. So I guess that was technically quarantine. Fun times. Look, we've uh, spoken. <laughs> Well, thank you. That was really uh, so interesting and so exciting, all the stuff that's happening from tomorrow onwards. I can't wait to hear what comes up for you and, and follow your exciting career. So any insider knowledge on what you're producing or what we should be expecting from you soon? Yeah, I mean, there's one project that we've kind of already announced anyway. So we're currently working on an animated feature, which is called Range of Raccoon. Uh, and now it's the follow-up to Gary K. Wolf's uh, Who's Trans Roger Rabbit. Um, so that's kind of his magical follow-up to his, you know, Toontown project, which uh, he did um, earlier on in his life. And so we have the famous uh, Kevin Altieri, who directed uh, the Batman animated series, who will be directing. Um, 
and as mentioned, I will be producing and I will actually be voicing the lead character, Ranger Raccoon. So uh, we should be, hopefully, we'll be developing it this year. And if things go according to plan, we may have a 2021 or an early 2022 release. So we'll see how that goes. That is major. Yeah. Congratulations. I can't wait to see it. Oh, how exciting. Well, I, I hope it does well. It'll be my first uh, major VO project. So I've usually done, you know, live action, but uh, with COVID, this is, um, this is time to move forward at the moment with animation. And we are actually developing and working on uh, several other feature, feature film animations. So, I can yeah. smell an Emmy or an Oscar. Well, you know, fingers crossed, that is uh, one of my life ambitions. Uh, I am working very, very, very hard to uh, win an Oscar. Um, I, I've got some very ridiculous, well, I mean, they're not ridiculous to me, but uh, I've been told by a lot of people that they are very ridiculous, like very huge ambitions to have. But again, nobody's going to tell me, you know, what I can or can't you know, achieve in my life. And so I'm actually working very hard to be the number, number fourth and number 16th person to win a Pegot and an Egot, which is a Pegot is a Pulitzer, a Emmy, a Golden Globe, a Grammy, and I think an Oscar. And an Egot is an Emmy, a Golden Globe, an Oscar, and something else. But it's, you know, some of the biggest entertainment awards that you can possibly be given in the entertainment industry. So that oh, is my ambition. Okay, I've, uh, I've got you back. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for your time. It was such a pleasure meeting you and speaking to you. The Greatest Showman was just such an incredible movie. I think, you know, when the script landed you. on your lap, how did it make you feel reading through the role that you were playing as Tom Thumb and, and just the entire concept to be a part of such an incredible movie? Yeah, I mean, at first when I, you know, when I first saw the role that they wanted me to um, play, at first I didn't think too much of it, but, you know, as I read the script and I started to kind of, um, started to you know, focus on the role more, I started to, see myself in in Tom Thumb because he's he's a character that's very you know similar to myself like I grew up with a lot of challenges you know he was only two and a half feet tall um I'm I'm only four foot uh four foot two tall which is 127 centimeters uh which fun fact uh when I met the director I met the director in Canada and we had a meeting about it and one of the first things he said to me is, uh, how comfortable would you feel playing the role on your knees? I'm like, wait, what? What, what, what do you want? And he's like, well, the character is a lot shorter than you. And we want, you know, the, we want the height difference between you and Hugh Jackman to be, you know, a lot greater. And so Hugh Jackman is about six, six two, six five, something like that. Um, and I'm four two. And Tom Thumb, a.k.a. Charles Stratton, he was only about two and a half foot tall. And so I spent seven months playing the character on my knees. Um, if, 
if uh, anyone checked out my social media um, at the Sam Humphrey on Instagram, you can actually see um, see my boots, the knee boots that I um, had to wear as part of my character. You can see photos of me, you know, on in my knee boots, uh, posing, um, and you'll be able to see the difference between you know me standing and me in the knee boots. So it was it was very exciting, but also very uh, very intense to uh, learn how to knee walk um, for seven months. Because I didn't just knee walk, I knee ran, I knee danced. It was very, very physical. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. yeah, that is really challenging. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, which uh, I, was, I was very, very surprised. I never thought that I would be too tall for any role. But, yeah. That's but awesome. That's awesome. You know, I'm grateful for... Being still being alive, so to squander the opportunity and not try and you know accomplish all of these huge ambitions that I have, and just you know sit back on the couch and do nothing with my life would be would be disrespectful to you know my parents. You know they tried so hard. It'd be disrespectful to all the people that have gone before me that have tried so hard, um, and. There's no excuses for all the challenges that I've gone through. There's no excuse for me to waste, you know, the waste the privilege that I've been given. Like I, even though I have had gone through all this, you know, I was still very fortunate to be born in a first world country. I was still very fortunate to have, you know, have both my parents. They're fortunate to be able to go to school, you know, all these things and have food and have a roof over my head. So. You know, I should be trying to live my best life, and that's that's what I want to do. And you know, I want to achieve everything I possibly can before before I can't, and before I you know die. So yeah, I can't wait to hear bigger and better things. And I can hear your acceptance speech already in there. Well, I mean, you know, definitely a lot more of this stuff um, will be in my autobiography. So you know, I will uh, be obviously announcing all that on my social media. So I hope that. Uh, Everyone is looking forward to reading my autobiography. Um, it definitely goes very, very deep into, you know, my struggles and my challenges. And it, um, it kind of outlines everything I've struggled with. And it also shows how I've managed to overcome um, everything that I've, uh, you know, faced. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been such a privilege speaking to you. Thank you very Bye. much, Linda. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. This was hosted by my mum, Linda Crisoglu. Stay tuned for next week's episode of People Are Amazing, the podcast.